Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. It's great to have you with us tonight. We're taking you down to Texas, and we're giving you kind of an inside look at the third annual North Texas Recovery Conference. It's at UNT, University of North Texas in Denton, a wonderful campus. And as beautiful as the campus is, the programs are even better. They got a collegiate program down here that's second to none. Our program, by the way, is being brought to you tonight by Summer Sky Treatment Center. They flew us down here and put us up, and they're great people. Summersky.us is their website. Joining me in this segment is uh, Jeremiah Gardner. He's from Hazelden Betty Ford. I still have a hard time putting those two together because for so long in my career, they were separate. There was Hazelden, which, you know, kind of built the whole path out of Minneapolis, the land of a thousand treatment centers, or used to be a thousand treatment centers. And then, of course, there was Betty Ford down in Rancho Mirage. They have come together. Hazel and Betty Ford Foundation, Jeremiah Gardner is the manager of the Institute for Recovery Advocacy. And boy, we cannot have enough advocacy in this field. Jeremiah, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to talk to you for the first time. Indeed, indeed. First of all, for our listeners who, like me, remember the two separate Tell me about the merging, the coming together of the two giants in this field. Sure. Well, well, Hazelden, as you may know, was founded in 1949 in a little farmhouse in Minnesota. Yeah. And it's sort of where the Minnesota model of treatment yeah, got there its start. Yeah, St. Mary's and all, all the... You got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. In the early 80s then, Betty Ford, who you know went public with her recovery right. around then and did a lot of great for the advocacy movement uh, way back then, she came to Hazelden and she met with folks there and she kind of developed a plan for the Betty Ford Center in Rancho Mirage. She went back to California, and she opened that in 1982. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just last year, early 2014, that we merged, and it was a nice merger uh, for a lot of reasons, but one, because our missions were so in sync. You know, I remember Betty Ford. Uh, I interviewed her in England in 1981. Wow. She was just becoming public, and she had this dream of starting a treatment center. This is a year before the Betty Ford Center Wow! Uh, in, in England, and, and I've since uh, spent a, a number of uh, uh, days with her and have done interviews with her, and, and she was just such, such a pioneer in this movement, just as Hazelden was a pioneer in this movement. So it was a natural coming together, a coalescing of two powerful forces, and that results in, in the Hazelden Betty Ford Foundation. You got it. You make me want to interview you <laughs> now that I know you've done all that. So t- tell me about your involvement, Jeremiah, your personal story, if you will. What brought you to the Hazelton Betty Ford Foundation? Yeah, well, I uh, sobered up in 2006. That's when my re- recovery began. Okay, where? <laughs> uh, a place called New Life Treatment Center in Woodstock, Minnesota. Which was one of the one thousand land of a thousand exactly, treatment centers, yeah. and I was a musician for most of my adult life and played in bands. The so hell you say? Yeah, that was not the Woodstock that I had been yeah. uh, dreaming about all those years. But <laughs> but you did play at Woodstock. I, I did, right? I did. Yeah. I had my guitar there at the treatment go. center. Yeah, so that's when it began for me, and I went back to my my job, my regular job afterwards. I worked at a Fortune 500 size company that 
sold food around the world for four years. And then I, you know, just recovery progresses and your, your mind shifts, your whole outlook on life shifts. And shift I, happens. Shift happens. Yeah, right. Shift <laughs> happens. That's right. I quit and I went to law school. Hmm. And uh, while I was in law school, that's because the world needs more lawyers. Well, that's what I Not. what I learned in that first semester. Here, there's a good ending to this story. I quit <laughs> <laughs> after one semester and seventeen thousand dollars. I quit. Then you became a journalist. No, I was a journalist before that. Oh, before that, that. yeah, okay. that was okay. my initial career. Was uh, I worked for the Associated Press? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, after on my way to meet the dean of the law school to tell him that I was quitting. This was in January, um, and I'd just gotten married in December. And I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. I got a phone call from a, an old friend who is a videographer and um, was just beginning work on a new documentary. His, it would become his second documentary. And he called me out of the blue, and I take this phone call on the way to the law school, and he, he says, I'm doing a new documentary on the history of addiction treatment. I didn't even know my friend was in recovery. And, oh, my goodness. And he says, you know, I was just in Chicago last week, and I interviewed this guy named William White, who's got this book, Slaying <laughs> the Dragon, which you, you might be interested in. Oh, my goodness. And I said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I'm on my way to quit law school right now. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to have some time on my hands, and I would love to help with that project. Wow. And I ended up just immersing myself in, in William White for a little while. I got to interview Ernie Kurtz and a bunch oh, of other people. Oh, gosh, yeah. God rest his soul. Yeah. He just recently passed on. I, I got a chance to interview him on his last book just before he died. Oh, yeah. yeah he was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And Bill White is the Bill W. of our era. He sure is. Yeah. He yeah. Is, yeah. And I, I mean, I was so enthralled with him. I On his book, he'd said, you know... It, described William White's biography. It was a, a master's degree in addiction studies, yeah. a consultant, a trainer, and I've been a consultant and a trainer. Yeah. And I said, I need a master's degree in addiction studies. And for this film that I was helping with, I went and interviewed Damien McElrath at Hazelden. It's yeah. my first time I'd ever been to Hazelden. And I found out about a gra our grad school. We have an accredited grad school. And I said, I'm going to get a master's degree in addiction studies. And I had this just far out notion that I wanted to be William White. Wow. <laughs> wow. And and I had met Greg Williams because he started the Anonymous People film yes. about the same time we were starting our film. Now, kudos to him. He finished it and has done all these great things. Our film is still under wraps. We need some money to finish it. So we have all this great footage but have not uh, put it out yet. But anyway, I went to Hazelden. I, I started getting my master's degree there, and I networked, and I ended up interviewing for a man you know, Dean Peterson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who, who used great to be, guy. used to be the chief of staff for Jim Ramstead. Yeah, he yeah. was a leader in this movement, and... I got to know William Moyers, and eventually when I got done with school, they, they gave me a job. And I say that's a God incidence. Not a coincidence, but a God incidence. I agree with you. Everything came together for you. If you're just joining us, uh, Jeremiah Gordon is uh, our guest in this uh, segment. Hazelton Betty Ford Foundation in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You start work at Hazelton, and how do you get into the advocacy end of it? Well, when I was in school, I saw... Dean Peterson's email. Somehow it came across my into my inbox, and I saw his title, and it said, "Of course, I was interested in advocacy because yeah, I was yeah. interested in William White already." And his title said, "Like Executive Director of Public Affairs, Communications, and Advocacy." And advocacy. And I, you know, I was like, "That sounds like the perfect place for me." <laughs> and so I asked the school. I said, "Can I go intern for him?" Or, uh -huh. And they said, well, you better go meet with him first. Yeah. I met with him. He liked me. I got an internship with him, and then afterwards I got a job. And the rest is history. Well, it's I honestly, I don't know how it happened. To be honest, I've been mulling that over. And it I is a God incidence, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm the luckiest guy. Jeremiah Gardner joining us tonight, uh, Hazelton Betty Ford Foundation, manager of the Institute for Recovery Advocacy. You told me how you get into advocacy. Tell me about the Institute 
for recovery advocacy. When did that come about? Well, Hazelden's been involved with, Hazelden and Betty Ford have been right, involved. Right, from the very beginning. Yeah, from starting with Betty Ford. And then, you know, our early president of Hazelden, Dan Anderson. Oh, yeah, great guy. He, you know, he said early on that it was our responsibility to educate every future generation about yeah. the promise and possibility of recovery. And by our responsibility, he didn't just mean Hazelden, he meant people in recovery mm -hmm. and, and the professionals that help them. And so that's motivated a lot of our advocacy efforts way back when. And then we were just really involved in the parity fight yep. um, that started in the 90s. And then in the early 2000s, William Moyers, who's a, uh, just a great mentor yeah, for me today, yeah. he was part of that group of people that helped convene uh, advocates in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was at that meeting. You were at that meeting? I was oh at my that gosh, meeting, yeah. I want to interview you when we're done here. <laughs> so you know. Yes. And that but, really kind of launched what yeah. is we now refer to as the modern yeah. recovery advocacy movement. And so we've been involved the whole way. The, yeah. what, what we call the Institute for Recovery Advocacy is kind of a combination of mm -hmm. the former Betty Ford Institute. Right, which, right. And, and the former Hazelden Center for Public Advocacy. So when we merged last year, we also sort of merged our advocacy efforts and we named it the Institute for Recovery Advocacy. Every person in recovery has a role to play in advocacy. I believe that from the core of my being, that we all have a role to play. Uh, now, maybe not everybody can stand up or feels comfortable at talking, but there's some things that you can do. You can write letters to the editor, you can talk to your family, you can talk to your co-workers, you can let people know that recovery is an American way of life. Yes, indeed. I remember when I was at the one of the early screenings of the Anonymous People. Yeah. I was sitting in the front row and was looking forward to talking to Greg afterwards yeah. because I'd only communicated with him by email prior to that. And and I remember thinking as I watched it, how many people on my Facebook mm. friend list know that I'm in recovery? Yeah. And I, I'd been now in recovery you're talking. for a while. And yeah. I, it just really made me think. Right. And then I thought, well, why don't a lot of people know I'm in recovery? Is that, am I not talking about that for a reason, or is it just not important to me, or what? And so, you know, that's the shift that's going along yeah. for a lot of people in recovery yeah. these days is, you know, why aren't I talking about it? Exactly. And not everybody has to, but right. the message is, as you said, is everybody right. can. I was talking to a guy the other day, a couple of weeks ago, who is a professional in the field, and I heard him introducing himself to someone at a reception, and he said, I work in the healthcare industry. And I nailed his ass on that. And I said, you're an alcohol and drug counselor. Are you embarrassed about that? I mean, if you are, then find another profession. But don't say you're in the healthcare business. You work in the alcohol and drug field. The wellness field? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, and he said, I never thought about that. And, and again, people, like you said with Facebook, you don't think about it. But there's a sphere of influence around all of us. And by letting people know, I have a series of buttons that I put out. The ones I'm using at this conference are recovery first. <laughs> you got one of the buttons. And when I started doing that, the first one was ask me about recovery. Ask me about addiction. And it invites the dialogue. And I think we all in some way have to stand up and speak out. In some way. And you need to define your own role in doing that. Yeah, and doing that. Long term, I think we can really be on the vanguard of changing yeah. the culture, not just a recovery, but of. Yes. How exciting is it to be at this conference with all these young people, and they've got the energy, and it's it's like it takes my breath away to see all this stuff that's going on with young people in recovery and the collegiate recovery movement. It's, it's a new dawn. That's right. There's a few places in the 
country right now where you can really see the future, and yeah. this, this is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. University of North Texas. We're visiting with Jeremiah Gardner. He is from Hazleton Betty Ford Foundation. The website for Hazleton Betty Ford Foundation is... It's hazeldenbettyford.org. .org. And there's an advocacy link right there if you're interested in advocacy information topics. And you can find it all there. Yep. Absolutely. Jeremiah, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, as soon as this interview is over, we're going to talk some rock and roll. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. We're going to take a short time out back with more right after this.